chapter 10. And here's where I accidentally skipped over the end of chapter 9. So if you're following along, we're jumping to chapter 10 now because I made a mistake. Okay. So he called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Keep in mind, this includes Judas Iscariot. Healing, preaching the gospel, healing every disease and sickness, driving out evil spirits. Um, remember, it's not that Judas was never a believer. It's that he lost his faith. He turned. Um, and that's the tragedy. So until that time, he's, he's there with them. Well, to read their names, these are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Those four, the, the, the lists of the apostles change a little bit from time to time, but the first four are always the first four. Peter, Andrew, James, John. Make sense? The next four are always together, even though their order changes. So, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. And then the last four are always the last four, even if the order changes. So then, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, he's also called Judas, that Thaddeus. Then Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. So there are different ways of remembering the apostles' names. Um, I had someone come up to me just last Sunday and hand me a piece of paper with her own poem on how to remember the names of the apostles correctly. You know, it was unsolicited, but, you know, it was given to me. And I don't mind having those things. Um, my way of remembering the apostles involves just this fact that three of them are duplicated, so that's half the apostles. There are two Simons, two Jameses, and two Judases. And just to qualify them, the second Simon, who is not Peter, is called Simon the Zealot. So he's the terrorist in the group. There's James, who is one of the sons of Zebedee, and there's a James the Less, the other guy. And then there is Judas Iscariot, or Judas the Betrayer, and then Judas, who is not Iscariot. Not that long ago, uh, some of our catechism students used to get the names wrong of who was the preacher when they handed in their sermon summaries. This is a couple, it's a couple years before COVID. We had several students in seventh grade especially who did not know the difference between the pastors. Um, and so what I overheard one of them say is what I'll repeat to you, okay? Which is, Pastor Sutton is the tall, good-looking one. <laughs> Pastor Scharf is the younger, good-looking one. Pastor Smith is the other guy. So that's what I overheard the seventh grade girls. So I'll just, uh, he, he may have heard me say that. I'm not sure. But now two of these guys on the screen have brothers. So Simon has Andrew and James has John. And John wrote a gospel. If you remember that only two of the apostles wrote gospels, it may help you. Okay. Two of the gospel authors were not apostles, of course, but two of them were. So then, after this, we only have four left. Because this accounts for eight, right? So you have Philip and Bartholomew, who have their story together, and then they kind of drift out of the scene. And then the other gospel writer is Matthew. And then Thomas, who betrayed him. 
And that's, that's the 12. Thomas who doubted him, I'm sorry. Thomas, thank you, Thomas who doubted him. Sorry, the phrase who betrayed him is at the end of the list of the apostles. I just stuck Thomas there accidentally. So, Thank you, Herb. Now, I have pictures. Is that okay? So what I want to teach you is some basic iconography. That is, how to figure out who was depicted in an icon or picture of the apostles. This will not help you much with our stained glass windows, but it'll help you a little, okay? So we begin with Peter. I'm not going to talk about his name in Greek because sometimes the Greek alphabet matches ours and sometimes it doesn't. In Peter's name, it kind of doesn't. So let's just ignore that. Peter is almost always depicted with shorter hair and a shorter beard, usually, okay? Often with white hair also. But here he has uh, a couple of distinctive things. He has a solid color robe that he's wearing, usually the mark of a bishop. And, uh, you know, Catholics hold him to be the first bishop of Rome and so forth. And I'm talking about iconography. Obviously, the Wisconsin Synod doesn't have a lot of icons, you know, so I'm just telling you how to interpret this stuff. But Peter has a scroll. Normally, that would be partly open. So many of the apostles who are not authors of, the, of books of the Bible will have a scroll that's, that's rolled up. And that just shows that they preach the gospel. So I call it the apostle scroll. That's how you identify an apostle as opposed to somebody else. That the apostles get a little scroll. Peter's is unrolled and it will have a little bit of Greek writings. You can see it's actually 1 Peter 1, 1 and 2. But you probably can't tell that from the picture. But that's what it usually is. Okay. Um, in many, most Catholic pictures, Peter will also have two keys. And that's the keys to the kingdom of heaven based on Matthew 16. But we'll talk about that when we get to Matthew 16 and then how that changes in Matthew 18 and then later in John 20, but often with keys. Okay. Um, normally in his icons, Peter is not depicted on a cross, but tradition says that he was crucified. Tradition also says he was crucified upside down and with his wife. So... In fact, that's part of the tradition is he was spending so much time comforting his wife about their coming crucifixion that he forgot to tell the soldiers he didn't want to be crucified the same way that Jesus was. And so when he finally got there and it was finally his turn, he said, oh, don't do it this way. And so he said, fine. They just flipped it upside down and shoved it in the hole and that was it. So rather brutal. However, that's a fourth century legend. So... 300 years after the fact, did they have all the details right? I don't know. I don't know. All of it. Even crucifixion. We don't know that Peter was crucified. You know, I mean, Jesus kind of hints about it, though, when he says they will lead you where you do not want to go and stretch out your arms. That's, that's John 20. And so there is a hint there that he would be crucified, but that's all in Scripture. The rest of it's all just legend. It's not a bad legend. You know, it doesn't contradict anything. There's no miracle associated with it. It's just the way he died. So I think it's probably accurate, but at least the crucified part. 
Okay, then Andrew, notice Andrew's hair. What's the thing you notice about Andrew's hair? Say it again. It's messy. Yeah, because Andrew was a, a disciple of the, John the Baptist who had wild, unkempt hair and wore wild clothes and ate wild animals or wild locusts. For, and so Andrew, one of his disciples, gets wild hair also in the, in the icon. And then uh, Andrew has uh, a, a single scroll, an apostle scroll, not much else. Notice the circle around his head, though. What's that called? A halo. Yeah. Yes. We will get back to Peter's stump finger because, and maybe, I don't know, if you want to keep track of how many apostles are shown with stump fingers, there's quite a few, but not Andrew. Andrew is shown with all of his digits, although he's holding them in a weird way, but I don't know why he's holding them in a weird way. Say that again. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Andrew shown here uh, also with Long, pointed beard and forked. The archaeologists have uh, looked at graffiti from the time of Jesus and deduced that forked beard was pretty popular around the time of Jesus' ministry. Um, I'm uncomfortable thinking of my Savior with a forked beard, so I'm just going to pass over that point. Let's just leave it. This is James. Uh, James also, missing a finger. Um, James is always shown with curly hair that's never white. Um, why? Because he died so early. Um, he dies early in the book of Acts. He's run through with the sword. Um, and uh, he also has an apostle's scroll. And he's wearing usually a red shirt under his robe. So usually is his brother John. We have two stained glass windows of two men who look very similar with, uh, they, they're both young and they both have red shirts under a different color robe. One is labeled John and I wonder if the other one is supposed to be James. I don't know. That one is over on the, on the side by the Luther seal. Yes? In our stained glass windows? I have not noticed that detail. I had, I had, I, and I, I, mean, I wrote about them all. I thought that we had either barefoot or sandaled. I'll have to go up and look. I might miss the whole council meeting tonight because I have to go up and look at the windows now. We'll see. <laughs> Very good excuse. Um, this is John. He's often depicted as a very young man or a very old. And here he's very old. You see that he has a book that's open with Greek. It happens to be the Greek text of John 1, 1 to 2. So it's, that's his gospel that's open. You see the little thing behind him on the green tablecloth? That's not a pipe. What is that? It's pen and ink. Why isn't it a quill? Why not a bird feather? Because nobody used bird feathers until about the 4th century. True. 
Uh, this, it's remarkable that they got this right on this icon because that's one reason, one way that you can tell the date of an ancient biblical manuscript. If it's written in a certain way with usually slightly thicker and uh, uniform letters um, pre-third century. So thinner, scrawling letters, obviously written with a quill that has like a narrow side and a fat side, you know, like a quill will. Um, that's post-fourth century. So there's a transitional century in there where some are both, but yes. A papyrus reed. Yeah. So papyrus is, is uh, empty inside or hollow inside, like, uh, like uh, uh, milkweed. Lop it off, you know. Even at an angle, it's going to give you a nice, solid, fat, you know, blue line, ultimately. And their ink came mostly from octopus ink. You would go out in the shallows and, uh, and catch an octopus empty its ink sack, mix it with some, uh, usually some oil, and you've got, you know, a pretty decent supply of ink there. Catch a couple of octopi and sell it. You know, kids would make money doing this. Um, so uh, up in the upper right-hand corner, you've got that, the, obviously a capital I or Yoda. And then what does that letter look like that's next to it? Might look like a Q to you, but it's really a stylized W. up in the upper right corner. It's just a, like a rounded W. That's the, he, the Greek letter omega. Um, and, uh, and so that's the second, that's the vowel of John's name, Yoannes. That's how you spell John. Um, and so that's just how that's, uh, that's, how that's written actually. Um, so that, that's just his name. All right. Say that again. That's a capital. This is a Greek has two cases like English does, uppercase and lowercase. Philip is next, usually depicted as a beardless youth with a red bishop's robe. He's got the scroll there. Another guy with the finger missing, though. Why would all these guys have their fingers missing? It's not persecution. Yeah, it's always the same one. The one you don't know, the one you don't need to write with. But on your right hand. Why? If you're from the tribe of Judah, it's never a problem. If you're from the tribe of Benjamin, it's never a problem. If you're from the tribe of Levi, watch out. What happens when you turn 30? You become a priest. You have to go serve in the temple. So, the guys found out that if I lop off my finger, then I'm mangled, I'm, 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 uh, I'm imperfect, and now I'm forbidden from serving in the temple. So for some of the apostles, um, it seems like the tradition was some of them lopped off a finger. To, and the, the one actually who really has the best attestation of this is not one of the apostles. It's Mark, the evangelist. His nickname was Colobodactylus which means the stump-fingered. It seems like Mark took all of them off of, of one side, all the, all the tips of, I, don't, I forget if it was right or left, but um, he, uh, he did it because he was from the tribe of Levi and he did not want to go serve in the temple. He wanted to go preach the gospel. 
So lop off a finger and there you go. I might have chosen a toe. You know, although if everything you do is walking from A to B, then maybe just a useless finger would be. And your wife's never going to let you lop off your left finger because that's where the ring goes. You know, so it's got to be, anyway, I'm sorry. Let's go on. Philip, uh, also depicted as having no beard. We come to Bartholomew or Nathaniel. (laughs) Can anybody tell me what their opinion is of his hair? Mop cut, beetle cut, bowl cut, wig. Yeah, the, the actual rumor is that Bartholomew was bald. So I think that this being a wig is hilarious. As like, maybe it wasn't really his hair. Um, always with a short beard. In our sanctuary, he's depicted a little bit differently. He's always shown, except in this one apparently, with something called a flensing knife which is a knife used for flaying flesh off of something. Like uh, the whalers would use it to take the blubber off of a whale or whatever. We have, on, on the, uh, beside the pulpit in church, the, the guy who's looking over the preacher's shoulder is Thomas. And I always imagine that that's Pastor Thomas Henning looking over my shoulder as I preach. Um, you laugh. He, he didn't come into your office every Monday morning with a critique, but he used to do that to me. Um, but uh, uh, then on the other side is Nathaniel or Bartholomew. So we have Pastor Henning and Pastor Scharf in the stained glass windows now, kind of. But Bartholomew or Nathaniel has a, has a flaying knife because that's the legend of how he died by having his skin flayed from his body. Um, Now the curiosity about this, if I can just move past, is the way that it's done in the Sistine Chapel. Because Michelangelo, first of all, depicted him as bald, not with a beetle wig. But there's an actual knife in his right hand. Do you see that? And what's he holding in his left hand? His skin. Now this is actually a depiction of the resurrection. So he's holding his mortal flesh and his good flesh has been renewed. But what else is there about this picture? Compare the two faces. The, the, the old face, I mean, it looks kind of like Nixon to me or somebody. You know who it really is? It's Michelangelo. That's his self-portrait of himself. Is in the, in the cast-off skin of Bartholomew. So that's, that's what he did. And sometimes artists do this. They'll put them, their self-portrait in an odd place in a painting. There's a famous Flemish painting of an artist painting a royal family and he himself is in the painting looking back at you and it's the actual artist who did the painting and what he does is he puts a mirror in the painting also so the royal couple he's painting it for are behind him in the dark behind the mirror. Like that's a, that is a, that painting just absorbs you for a long time. Um, Another one though that I like is that in every Alfred Hitchcock movie he puts himself in and it's one I, I think it's North by Northwest where the funniest one where they're showing um, a bus leave and people are getting on and getting on and, and then the doors close and the bus goes and Hitchcock in the last frame runs up and he's late and he kind of goes oh and then, that's the end of the opening credits of North by Northwest 
man, but other, other, other guys do that. Uh, uh, do you remember Michael, uh, Michael, um, Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion? He's in that movie. Do you know who he is? Yeah, he's the arm holding the spike, pounding the nail, pounding Jesus onto the cross. No, you only see his arm. But in the promos of the movie, there's Mel Gibson like in a t-shirt, like holding his arm out like that. They, they showed how he did it. So everybody knew that he, that he, that he did it. Kind of cool. Okay. Let's go on to part two, the second half. We have a couple minutes left. Um, Thomas, um, also called the twin, also shown with a, as a young man. The reasoning behind showing him as a young man is to kind of pardon his doubt. If he was pretty young when Jesus, you know, uh, uh, came back to life. However, sometimes his scroll is replaced, although he didn't write a book of the Bible, but it's replaced with a piece of paper that says Lord and God because that was his good confession after the doubt, my Lord and my God. So sometimes the artist will give Thomas a break and put in the, the good confession instead of the doubting piece. Um, then you have Matthew. Why holding a big book? Because he wrote the gospel. Yeah, so he's got that. Matthew also always depicted with short white hair. Um, in this case, I apologize, I wrote name in Greek, but that's not Greek, that's English. Um, when you see Matthew there. So it doesn't count. So never mind. All right, then we go to James the Less. This is the other James depicted usually um, with, with dark or red hair and uh, uh, usually red or white bishop's robe because he's mistakenly taken for the James who was the pastor of the Jerusalem church. Although I, I believe, as most do, that that was James, the brother of Jesus, not this James. But he's depicted that way. And again, all, and he also with a pointed beard. Like, uh, who, who was it earlier? Was it Thaddeus? Or I mean, I mean uh, was uh, not Bartholomew. I think one of the earlier guys had a pointed beard also. Then we have Judas, not Iscariot. He's actually called that in the Gospels at one point, not Iscariot. Um, Short beard, sometimes gray. He has the Apostles' scroll. Um, not really famous for much in the Bible and says very little, except he does ask Jesus one of the questions at the Last Supper. And it's response to his question that Jesus goes on about, I am the true vine, you are the branches. That all comes out of a question from Judas, not Iscariot. So, then we have the other Simon. Simon, he's often called the Canaanian, but our translations usually say Simon the Zealot, just so people don't get too confused. But I wish that would just be in the footnote at least. Um, it, maybe it is. He's often shown with a higher forehead, um, a polite way of saying that, and with an apostle scroll. Note once again the finger. Anybody keep track of how many stump fingers we had? I think it's five. All of them? Um, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. But Bart does in this one. Bart. Like we went to school together. Bart. Phil. Yeah. Not John. But James, yes. So, interesting. What are we up to? Uh, Simon. 
And then Judas Iscariot, finally, I, don't, I didn't put a picture up here, but often depicted with a money bag or kissing Jesus. Um, sometimes there's a large Old Testament book that Judas Iscariot has as kind of a condemnation. You should have known better. You know, you had the entire scriptures. Why didn't you know better? Or, and often with a short black beard. Um, the only apostle usually depicted with a black beard. Um, and never a halo. So you can see it um, that way as well. Iscariot, by the way, means man from the village of Kerioth, which is in Judah, not Galilee. So as far as we know, the only apostle who was not from up north in Galilee. Um, the others were all from, most from Canaan, or from, I'm sorry, Capernaum, right? In fact, seven of the other 11 were from Capernaum. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, and probably Matthew, all from Capernaum. So, that takes us to the end of our time. God bless you. Thank you for letting me do this. See you next time. God bless you. Thank you for letting me do this. See you next time. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.